Customer-centred or person-centred care is respectful of and responsive to the preferences and needs and values of patients and consumers. So I think from a pharmacy perspective, understanding that not every customer is the same, different customers have different preferences, different needs and value in their service experience means different things to different people. So just recognising that each person is an individual and that you do need to ask them perhaps what it is they want from their experience, not just assume. Hi, I'm Shelley Thompson, Director at Experience 360, and you're listening to the Pharmacy Business and Career Network podcast. Welcome to the Pharmacy Business and Career Network podcast, brought to you by the Pharmacy Guild of Australia. Focusing on pharmacy management and ownership, the PBCN podcast supports the improvement and growth of your business performance with insights and advice from a range of industry professionals. The PBCN podcast, supporting your journey every step of the way. Today, we talk about customer experience and the importance of patient-centred care. Technological advances, rising costs and Increasing patient expectations are set to transform the healthcare landscape and community pharmacy has the ability to deliver a holistic health hub that provides excellent patient experiences. Patients value cost and convenience the most when choosing a pharmacy, and although this sounds like cutting prices and longer opening hours, the reality is that many patients are looking for a community health hub easily accessible health services that complement pharmacy's core medicine roles and an enhanced in-store experience of a one-stop shop. In this episode, Shelley Thompson, founder of Experience 360, talks to us about why we should be striving for excellent customer experience, the opportunity for pharmacies, and what will happen if we don't embrace the change. Here's Shelley. Shelley, welcome to the show. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what Experience 360 does. I have a passion for optimal wellness and I've got more than three decades experience in clinical, operational and corporate healthcare. So I have a very strong passion for healthcare and for caring for people. Uh, My consultancy, Experience 360, what we do is we partner with healthcare service leaders and we focus on the customer's journey and we optimise experience delivery so that everybody gets a great experience. And what that does is transform health businesses and they focus, move the focus from volume to a value-based care model, which is exactly what patients and customers are wanting today. So when I visited your website, it has this really cool story timeline that I loved because it's so much more engaging than the normal boring about us pages we see on a lot of websites. So listeners, I highly recommend that you go and check out experience360.com.au. But for now, Shelley, can you just share with our audience a little bit about your story and the success that you've had in your career? Well, thank you, Daniel, for the compliment on the website. That did take quite a lot of work, so I hope people do enjoy it. Uh, but in a nutshell, I clinically I started my career clinically uh, in nuclear medicine and uh, then moved into ultrasound as a sonographer. Uh, so I have a very strong medical imaging background in both the public and private healthcare sectors. Uh, then I gained experience in the commercial healthcare sector and I accepted roles in customer service and sales and then ultimately business management, doing an MBA along the way. And a lot of that was working for Philips Healthcare. 
And it was really during that career at Philips that I discovered this incredible passion for business development and business growth. And I realized that there's this incredible direct link between service success and business success. Um, And then, you know, I really wanted to explore that. And I got an opportunity to do that when I moved to Canberra. And I did a complete career pivot, uh, completely different direction and opened a retail gourmet food store. So as a business owner now in the retail sector, unfamiliar to me, I had the flexibility to adapt that business to suit my customers' needs. So I just started talking to customers and I created a store where customers were really treated like members of our family and the staff were like shareholders. You know, I just assumed that they owned the business as well. And the suppliers created this incredible sense of community around the store Uh, And it had a great atmosphere. And um, we developed an incredibly loyal following of people. And in fact, all of our customers, when they had visitors from interstate or relatives staying with them, they used to actually do their own tours of the store, you know, treating it like it was their own. So we developed this incredibly loyal following as one of Canberra's best loved delis and cafes and food stores. But And I think that was really not just for the product, but it was the staff and the atmosphere and our attention to detail and our focus on our customers that and the icing on the cake, we knew we were doing a good job when we actually, our customers voted for us and we won the Lifestyle Food Award, um, the I Love Food Awards for the ACT, which is an incredible honour to be given that when it's voted by, you know, the people that determine whether your doors stay open. So we had a lot of great ideas and drive and we were thrilled. You know, the business was listed each year. It was trading in the uh, the Sydney Morning Herald Good Food Guide. So we were really pleased with the standard of what we we're offering. And I feel really privileged to have experienced success across both healthcare and also the retail sectors, uh, which is why I think I feel such a strong affinity for community pharmacy as well, because it specialises in the service delivery across my two favourite sectors. You know, it's both retail and it's healthcare, and I love that combination. As you said, you have a passion for business development and business growth, and you're on the front line day to day across a lot of businesses. What do you see as some of the biggest challenges facing the healthcare industry right now? I think the current healthcare system was never designed to deal with the huge growth of chronic disease that it now represents. You know, that that's the largest portion of the Australian healthcare spend today. Uh, it's massive. And at the same time, patients now are demanding better value from the healthcare system. And But in the past, they weren't really involved in healthcare decision-making. Now they want to be a partner in those healthcare conversations. And at the same time, there's rapid technological advances from other industries that are really starting to change and impact the healthcare industry and the way we operate. Uh, And there's strong influences from, you know, externally from the US and the UK healthcare systems. They're about a decade ahead of us in adoption of what's called a patient-centred model. And so whether we like it or not, this patient-centred approach will be adopted. And you can see inroads into that uh, happening in Australia. The Australian Commission for Safety and Quality in Healthcare has recently reviewed all of that patient-centred research And it's recognised what they call person-centred care as the foundation for achieving safe and high-quality healthcare. 
And that's because they want to contribute to healthcare outcomes and better experiences for patients and carers and, and families. Um, so I think, you know, if you like this health, the healthcare industry at the moment is in a perfect storm. It's got so many forces that are changing at once. So as a community pharmacist, I don't think you can ignore those factors, but, you know, if you do, you do it at your own peril. You, you can struggle with growth or you can start working towards and benefiting from the trends that are happening and develop a sustainable pharmacy by focusing on a patient-centred care approach. It's a great segue into my next question because we focused on there on the challenges that we're facing right now. But in the same vein, using your magic crystal ball. What do you see as some of the biggest challenges that are that are coming up for the healthcare industry in the future? Are they really evolutions of the ones you just spoke about or are they really completely new ones that we're going to have to figure out? I think if you look at other industries, Daniel, the biggest challenges coming up for healthcare and for pharmacy are around disruption. You know, if you look similar to what you've seen in, you know, with Uber, with Airbnb, with Amazon, just complete disruption of an industry. And healthcare size makes it really attractive for technology giants because they're seeking new growth uh, in new markets. And so if you think of Google and Apple and Amazon and Virgin, you know, they've all made inroads already with ambitious plans to inject themselves into healthcare. Um, you know, I think for Google, for example, they've got this offshoot, which is called Alphabet, um, and it's their life sciences arm. And they're doing this huge joint research project with Duke um, University School of Medicine and Stanford Medicine in the US, a five-year project that's really aiming to, to map the course of patients' health, you know, just human health when they're well and from adulthood to old age. And they're trying to discover factors that contribute to the onset of disease and whether they can be altered. So Google are very serious about getting themselves into healthcare. Apple have taken a bit of a different approach. You know, they've used their Apple Watch, which, you know, all of us are familiar with. But in the future, they're hoping to ship an ECG monitor um, within that Apple Watch. So, you know, while we already, you know, have the feature of all-day heart rate monitors, you know, that are tracking our beats per minute, usually while we're doing exercise and our sleep cycles and things, but their idea of integrating an ECG would mean that it's more accessible, particularly people who do have heart conditions, you know, that they they have their own healthcare. They're starting to take charge, if you like, uh, on their device. So, and I think closer to home in the pharmacy sector, we should be watching um, Virgin because in New York, they've launched what's called uh, Capsule, which is a tackling the pharmacy consumer experience. And so from the ground up, they're trying to drive better outcomes across the pharmacy industry. And Virgin, you know, as we know from their forays into other sectors, really have a very simple premise, which we could learn a lot from, um, that businesses should make people's lives better. Uh, and their goal is to just go into new market segments, take poor customer experiences and improve them. And it's a very, very simple mantra. But I think in pharmacy, we should be very worried because they just focus in like laser focus on customers' frustration 
and they rely on their people to create great service experiences and results. And it is in the virgin DNA. It's it's what they do really well. So I think Australian pharmacists should be concerned about that, that disruption due to better service experiences and conveniences uh, coming from outside should be our, our big focus for us. And it's interesting for me because I think customers in any sector really respond to businesses that disrupt and change the focus to fixing some of those painful customer experiences that we have. And you started to touch on it there with Virgin Capsule, but how do those challenges, the ones that are here now and even those ones that are maybe coming and we can't actually see yet, how do they impact the pharmacy sector specifically? That is a really interesting question, Daniel. And I to reflect on, you know, I suppose where pharmacies come from in the last five years shows you perhaps the impact that's going to happen in the next five years. You know, I presented at Pharmacy Business Network back in 2014 and, it, you know, that's five years ago. And in preparation for, you know, for us just having a chat today, I thought, oh, well, I'll go back and have a look at that. And during that presentation, I focused on, you know, what makes things, pharmacies thrive in a customer-driven world. And I shared with the audience members that three factors that I thought at that time differentiated pharmacy, and it was price, product and service. But I don't think, you know, fast forward five years to now, I don't think there are that many differentiation options. I mean, if you think about it, price you know, pharmacy really has largely been commoditized with the, you know, introduction of discount pharmacies and online pharmacies. I think, it, you know, you, it's very difficult to compete on price and I'm not sure that that's a rabbit hole you want to go down. Uh, product, if you look at that, very little exclusivity uh, in products or brands. Uh, so if your local pharmacy doesn't sell the brand you want, you know, you're likely to go to another one down the road or you'll jump online because lots of other businesses sell those products. So it's really all about customer convenience now. You know, if you don't have what I want, I'll go somewhere else. So I think now out of those three differentiation factors, service is the only way to differentiate today. So without an expanding range of service experiences, you know, community pharmacies have less ability to differentiate and build patient loyalty as they, if they're trying to solely compete on price and convenience. So I think, you know, if you look at the challenges now to answer your question, I think pharmacy has to disrupt and reinvent itself. Um, so today's pharmacy has to evolve to become more than a pharmacy. It's really a community health hub. You know, if you like, I quite often call it the post office of healthcare, where it builds on its core expertise, but it facilitates, you know, a huge array of, array of essential services, you know, health products, services to empower and inform patients. So I think, you know, moving from that current role on dispensing to become, you know, if you like a trusted advisor, communicator, collaborator, medicines expert, you know, so, someone who's very trusted, I think that's the next evolution and one that is really going to impact the sector. And I think it's exciting. And I think that makes a lot of sense what you say about really the only place to truly differentiate these days is in that customer service. But that's a fairly broad concept. What do you think are some of the specific customer experience challenges that pharmacies face today on the front line in the shop? Community pharmacies have an enormous amount going for them. Okay, from so if you just look at it, they're you know they're the most frequently accessed 
and most accessible health destination. And uh, from reading the Pharmacy Guild information, I understand there are around 350 million patients visit community pharmacies annually. And that's a huge number. Um, and pharmacists are very trusted, consistently recognised as one of the most trusted professions. So patients, customers are prepared to go there. And community pharmacy is evolving to become, if you like, that post office, so that hub of healthcare. Um, and I think the biggest customer experience challenge facing um, the pharmacy today is that they need to meet their changing customer expectations. And that continual drive to develop loyalty among and really service existing customers, particularly regulars, uh, because they're now demanding a, a different model. They want more value and better experiences from pharmacies and healthcare practices. And so I think pharmacies have to make a choice. You know, is their business going to be focused on volume, which is more of a commodity type model, or is it going to be this value-based care pharmacy? And if you're going to become a value-based care pharmacy, that requires you to collaborate with a wider healthcare team uh, those community pharmacies are already established as a first point of contact and a triage point. They could do even more in that space. Uh, I think I could definitely come in now with my watch, you know, and say what's going on on my ECG. You know, I kind of find that quite exciting for pharmacy to be that truly frontline and triage point uh, for a lot of customers and for a lot of ailments. And I think that, and now more than ever, you know, the pharmacy is going to need to work with other specialists, GPs, allied health, professionals, hospitals, you know, to make sure that the patient's information is seamlessly moved across uh, so that they do remain at the forefront and have that point of differentiation compared to a supermarket and just buying a pharmacy product off a shelf. When you talk about customer-centred there, you, you mentioned things like people need to understand it and it's all about building loyalty and better experiences. Those words all make sense to me, but is there anything that you would add to clearly define it to those on the front line talking to customers day in, day out, no matter what their role is in the pharmacy, and they're just trying to do their best? I think the word patient-centred, customer-centred, consumer-centred, you know, person-centred, it's all bandied around a lot. Uh, and it's a really good point, Daniel, is that, you know, really it is putting the customer at the centre of everything you do. Uh, and I think it's as simple as that. But if you want, a, you know, just from a definition perspective, I think I would, you know, go for an Australian definition and I'd go back to the Australian Commission for Safety and Quality in Healthcare who say that customer-centred or person-centred care is respectful of and responsive to the preferences and needs and values of patients and consumers. So I think from a pharmacy perspective, understanding that not every customer is the same, that it, different customers have different preferences, different needs and value in their service experience means different things to different people. So just recognising that each person is an individual and that you do need to ask them perhaps what it is they want from their experience, not just assume. So I think, you know, just, and for the frontline people, uh, there are some key dimensions and behaviours, you know, and even for managers uh, working with their staff on the frontline, you know, you need to just recognise the behaviours of things like respect, uh, emotional support. Uh, so, you know, not just being transactional, 
in the way you approach your service experience, uh, actually providing some emotional support, you know, some quiet time, some privacy, uh, physical comfort, you know, or information and communication need to have a little bit of a conversation. Uh, and that continuity of care transition from pharmacy to hospital to outpatient again, those sorts of things, just really supporting patients to go through that. And so I think it's two-way conversations. It's asking rather than telling. It's listening a lot rather than talking and really asking questions as well as providing information for pharmacy. So just a little bit of a I don't know, a little, little bit of a change in the dynamic between the relationship of the professional and, uh, and the customer. So let's say as a customer, I walk into a pharmacy, I might be there to pick up a script, I might be getting something for the kids who have got a cold, it might just be something that I, I take regularly and I just need to get it off the shelf and, and get out the door. When I walk out of that pharmacy, how do I know as a consumer that that pharmacy is actually customer centered. What are some of those those things that I'm going to experience and recognize where I walk out and I've got more loyalty to that pharmacy and it was a better experience for me? First of all, it would be about your journey in the pharmacy. So, you know, you walk in the door, you would expect to be acknowledged in the pharmacy. You know, you asked if you need a hand with something specific. Um, if not, you can roam around. But if you do, you know, them starting to ask a few questions about what it is that you've come in for today uh, related to your needs. And I, I think having a two-way conversation and involving you in in the idea of selecting whatever it is that you need, you know, maybe there are two or three options. But I think overall, you know, if you walked out the door afterwards, you'd have to say that everything revolved around you. You know, there's a there's really you want to know that you were cared for and that you were given something appropriate that you were listened to, uh, and that you feel when you walk out the door that you've got something appropriate to what you went in for or you have more knowledge around it to help you make a decision about what your care plan is, if you like. You know, if I'm going to try this first, but go back to the pharmacy in two days if that doesn't work. So I think it's about involving the customer. And for me, you know, looking from a from a, an advisory perspective, I'm looking to see now whether pharmacies have been co-designed with customers. You know, have they addressed frustrations that customers potentially have? You know, there might be long waiting times for scripts. You know, maybe there's a lot of products that are persistently out of stock. Um, perhaps the products aren't unpriced in a way that I can you know, easily work work out how much they're worth. Or I don't provide, I don't get personalised or private advice um, when I'm talking to the pharmacist. So if I don't feel that the experience is is very personal and about me, then I'm likely to think that it's not a customer-centred pharmacy. And and I think if you want to be, you know, really customer-centred, just follow Virgin's lead, you know, work off the simple premise that your pharmacy is there to make people's lives better. And so when every any person walks in the door, you have an opportunity to make their life better. Uh, and for them to be more informed and engaged in their own healthcare. And you should do it every single time someone walks into the pharmacy. 
I think it was a really interesting comment you made around you should walk out of that pharmacy feeling as though the whole pharmacy revolved around you. And I think for me, that's the trick for a pharmacy or any customer service really, that you make that individual feel as though they're super important and everybody's focused on them and they're the most important person in the store, even though they might only be the fifth or sixth most important person in the store, but everybody in there feels as though the store revolves around them. Is that the trick? It is the trick. Uh, I go into pharmacies and other retail businesses all the time where I get completely ignored. But I could walk in, you know, and if you look at some of the big um, department stores as well, you know, you could shoot a gun down the middle of one of the floors there, you know, and and it's the same regardless of the size of business. If I don't, if nobody engages me, I'm likely to just walk out the door. I want to feel like I'm valued to that business. And if no one interacts with me, there's no value. Is there any evidence to show that pharmacies that offer a much better customer experience, considering it's a crowded marketplace and, you, as you mentioned, it's hard to differentiate on price and products. So is there much evidence to show that pharmacies that offer a better customer experience are financially better off than ones that don't worry about it or focus on it or use customer experience as one of their differentiators? In 2016, uh, Forrester Research did a study that found that customer experience drives revenue growth. Um, So there's that direct link that I really discovered early on in my career is real. And in fact, they they discovered from their research that businesses that invest in customer experience generate up to five times faster revenue growth compared with companies who don't. That's that's significant. Uh, And I think it's important to have that clear understanding of that direct link between service success and business success, you know, business growth. There's very few ways to get business growth, you know, at the moment. It's very competitive in the pharmacy market. Uh, and I, if you can do it on service uh, and invest in your people, then that it, it, that's, that's very, very important. And, and I think the Pharmacy Guild has done some research around this as well. You know, they've identified in their recent research that the community pharmacy owners and patients and staff uh, and students, they identified a number of needs and expectations that align with growth pathways. Uh, And, you know, one of the key ones is that most owners identified that their financial performance is weaker than five years ago. And they identified a need to reduce costs and increase business skills and back-end efficiencies. And, but there is a limit to how efficient your business can be. Uh, and I really think that this focus on service, you know, and in the survey, they said we need to pivot to a services focus. You know, it was recognised that this service, you know, and this patient-centred uh, approach is the way to go because we do need optimum optimise the future of pharmacy and it's going to be driven by service opportunities and as well as technology advances. And interestingly, we spoke a bit earlier about the things that you can differentiate on as a pharmacy, price, product, customer experience, customer service. 
that last one, the customer experience, the customer service, the one that we're focusing on is 100% the hardest one for your competitors to simply copy. They can price match, they can offer different products, they can offer better products, exactly the same products, more expensive, less expensive, but to differentiate that customer experience is absolutely the hardest one for them to copy easily. Absolutely. And so I would say invest in your staff, you know, love your staff, particularly your frontline staff, because they are the front of your business uh, and they will make or break the differentiation between you and your competitors. 100% agree. So let's say a pharmacy is liking what you've outlined so far and they're, they're really excited about being customer or patient centred. What can they do to implement a customer-centred approach, including where do they even start and take the first step? My recommendation would be to review two fantastic Pharmacy Guild documents. Uh, There's two publications. One is Community Pharmacy, a healthcare hub, which is about outlines the evolving role of community pharmacy, uh, being part of a bigger healthcare team. And I think that's really in line with changing customer expectations. The second would be the Community Pharmacy 2025, which is the framework for change. And that's got some amazing um, points in it. You know, it's got a great checklist for things you can do now. It answers some really good questions, which, you know, why should I make this happen? You know, it helps you identify opportunities for pharmacies. And more importantly, it answers the question about what could happen to your pharmacy if you don't make those changes and you keep up and you don't keep up with changing expectations. And I, I, I really think those opportunities, you know, and the checklist should be capitalised on because, uh, and there's one in particular that I really, really like that speaks very much to this patient-centred approach. Uh, The health services section on page 13 in that checklist, one of the points there is talk to your patients or customers, um, analyse your dispensing and point of sale data to understand which patients are loyal to your pharmacy on a regular basis and get to know those customers. Uh, And I would be asking those customers, you know, what do you like about my pharmacy? What don't you like? What frustrates you? What would you like to see change? Those patients will give you so much information because they want you to be successful. You know, you are their local community pharmacy and they need you just as much as you need them. Speaking of publications, you've written a book. It's called Patients for Life and in it you encourage healthcare businesses to seek out complaints from their customers. Shelley, surely complaints are a bad thing and that pharmacies should just be trying to reduce them rather than increase them, so to speak? (laughs) I I think most businesses have an interesting relationship with patient complaints. (laughs) I think for most people, complaints really are a negative mindset and I would like to shift that completely. I think complaints are great. I think they're fantastic. And and the complaints that most businesses get are actually the tip of the iceberg for what's really happening because 96% of people don't complain. They just move. They just change businesses. They'll go to a different pharmacy and they'll never tell you. They'll just never come in again and you won't know what's happened. So for those that minuscule little 4% of people who actually take the time to complain, that's great. That's gold, you know, for your business. And I'd really like people to do a complete mindset shift, a complete 180 on what complaints are all about because it's genuine feedback from customers 
who want to stay with your pharmacy, if people bother to complain, if they're willing to tell you you're not doing a great job yet, they're actually giving you all the information you need to improve your pharmacy and to do a better job. And they're giving you the opportunity to do it, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it takes time. We're all time poor, you know, and they're actually saying, I want you to improve. You know, I want to stay with you. I want to see you succeed. And here's how you can do it. I mean, we should be embracing that. We should be saying, thank you so much for bringing that to my attention. I just didn't know. Um, And then we need to, as well as receive that feedback, we need to close the loop. So if we make some changes, Um, to the pharmacy so that it is a better experience for everybody, we need to provide feedback to those original people who did bother to give us the feedback and say, you know, we've this is what we've done and thank you so much for letting us know. And as a result, the pharmacy has improved in this way and this way and this way. And those customers will become incredibly loyal if you go back to them with that feedback because they know them taking the time to say that to you has actually made a difference to the business and they'll puff their chest out and become quite loyal to you, you know, and they'll say very positive word of mouth to family and friends. So you'll get more referrals as a result. So complaints are great. That is some great advice. There's pharmacy owners and managers listening. Some of them are now on board with spending Tuesday afternoon seeking out complaints and addressing them. What outcomes can they expect from the process of seeking out and engaging with patients and customers on the complaints they have about the business? Daniel, what what I might do is I'll answer that question initially by sharing the outcomes you can expect if you don't seek out and address complaints. Um, There's quite a lot of research in this area And so I'll share just a few facts with you that might shock some pharmacy owners. Um, 55% of Australian customers said they would try a new brand or company if they thought they were going to receive a better service experience. So that's more than half of your customers are prepared to move if the service is better somewhere else. That's quite shocking. Uh, That would decimate a pharmacy if half their customers potentially moved. And another uh, fun fact, 86% of customers would quit doing business with your company because of a bad service experience. So if you deliver one experience, three quarters of your customers would be prepared to move based on that. So just one interaction. And as I said earlier, in the complaints, in the previous question, 96% of unhappy customers never complain, they just leave. So only 4% bother. And a customer is four times more likely to defect to a competitor if the problem is service related rather than price or product related. So service is a very big deal for people. It's a very big emotional motivator. Um, And from an economic perspective, from a pharmacy business owner perspective, you know, the cost of acquiring a new customer is six to seven times more than retaining an existing one. So it just makes business sense to look after your existing customers and retrain them. So, um, and so if I go back to your original question, you know, we know our unhappy customers have a big impact on the business, but if we flip that and, and, you know, we say, okay, well, what is it that we actually need to do? Well, I think if you look at all the research, uh, you know, patient, anything to do with patient-centred care or addressing complaints 
being, you know, it really does have a positive influence on patient outcomes, uh, you know, including patient interactions with you as healthcare professionals, uh, their medication and lifestyle routines, they're more compliant. Uh, patients start to self-report their health if they feel like they're involved in the conversation and it has psychological health comes, outcomes as well. And of course, there's business benefits, you know, for the pharmacy from doing it, improved performance and growth and uh, individual and team performance. You know, your team feels more engaged because they're making more of an impact on their customers. And, and of course, we're improving the lives of those around us and providing care for people in our community. And I, and I think that they're very, very important outcomes for all of us. An interesting thing that came to mind as you were talking there about loyalty and some of those stats is that if a pharmacy is to focus on being customer-centred, they've got an existing customer base, an existing patient base. They will become more loyal and you will be at less of a risk of losing those customers. But the really interesting stat was 55% of people would move if they thought that they were going to get a better service. And as a pharmacy owner, people should be looking at those pharmacies around in their area and think that is a real opportunity to, for want of a better phrase or, or word, steal customers from our competitors. But it also protects you from losing your existing customers. So being customer-centered is is not just about focusing on your existing customers and a bit of a defensive strategy, but it's also a real opportunity with those 55% of people that would move if they thought they could get a better customer experience. Absolutely. And if you went into a pharmacy, you know, every time, Daniel, you walked in and you, and you were greeted, you know, and, and particularly if you're a regular, they said your name, you know, be very personal to start with. And then, you know, what can we do for you today? And, oh, how's this? And how's that? How was your holiday? Do you know what I mean? There was a little bit of conversation that was quite personal. And then you were assisted with what you need. You feel like it's your pharmacy. And that's the definition of community. You know, we're actually all caring for each other. And I think that, that you know, we, you know, pharmacy is a healthcare part of the industry and it's all about care. And this creation of community, loyalty, you know, word of mouth referrals, your customers are potentially your biggest marketing advocates. You know, they, they are the ones out there saying how fantastic you are. And that uh, referral is much better than advertising. You know, it's, it's much stronger. It, it's emotional and it's come from someone other than the pharmacy themselves. It's incredibly powerful. Could not agree more. Shelley, this chat's been chock full of great advice and, and tips and insights from you. I've got a question here about what the final piece of advice you would like to give to community pharmacy managers to help them take the next step after listening to this podcast. But it's been so full. Have you got anything to add? Just reiterating, Daniel, that complaints are great. You know, please take the first step and capture patient feedback, customer feedback and complaints. Take them very seriously because they're telling you what you need to do to make your experience in the pharmacy great. And by complaining, they're giving you all the answers. So, you know, thank them, you know, talk to them in detail about it. And, and my final piece of advice would really be really utilise those checklists in the Framework for Change document, uh, that one about talking to your patients, analysing, but there's there's a huge number of things on those checklists that are incredibly valuable. So I, I would recommend that you get stuck into it. Complaints are great. I can see it 
now on the wall of my local pharmacy, a big motivational style poster in a frame with that phrase, complaints are great. I look forward to the day we can all walk into a pharmacy. And that mindset is all about, please tell us about your experiences and your frustrations so that we can be better at our jobs. Shelley Thompson, Director at Experience 360, thanks for coming on the show and sharing your amazing insights, advice and experiences on pharmacies being customer-centred. Thanks very much, Daniel. What a great episode. Thanks again, Shelley, for your insights on how community pharmacies can adapt to thrive in a customer-driven world. Listeners, if you want to learn more about Shelley and the work she does, just visit experience360.com.au. The Guild also recognises the need for community pharmacies to embrace change to ensure the needs and preferences of patients are met. The Guild CP 2025 Framework for Change publication, which Shelley mentioned, outlines nine growth pathways to help inform future business strategies and to enhance the patient experience by developing innovative service and care-orientated business models. If you would like more information about the framework and the nine growth pathways, simply visit guild.org.au forward slash CP2025. I've been your host, Daniel Oyston, and you've been listening to episode 27 of the PBCN podcast. The PBCN Podcast, supporting your journey every step of the way. For more resources, to access support or advice, or to view this episode's show notes, visit guild.org.au.